Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Kindled. This week I'm sharing a conversation I had with Jen Morosco. She is a friend of mine in real life and a health and wellness coach. Jen is a certified wellness coach, a certified group fitness instructor, a wife, a mother of four kids, and a successful entrepreneur. She says that helping women pursue true health along their unique journeys isn't just her job, it's her life. In this episode, Jen and I talk about pretty much everything from her past struggle with disordered eating to our kids struggling to pee directly into the toilet. Why is that so hard? Without further delay, I hope you enjoy this interview with Jen. Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for coming I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's pretty funny that we are literally next door to each other our neighborhoods are two minutes away but we're we're doing this on skype um because that's just how busy life is right now oh my gosh it's so funny and you are um you're leaving town today to go to arizona yes i'm flying with myself and my four kids and my coffee (laughs) hopefully a lot of coffee (laughs) which would probably be better if it was wine but it's okay yeah oh my gosh so let's let's just get into it. What, why don't you okay. tell um, tell everybody kind of who you are and what you do? Okay, awesome. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so okay, I'm Jen Morosco, like Haley mentioned, and I have four children, like I already said, and they range from ages seven, five, three, one. So they're it's kind of crazy. We're all over the place. I began as a stay-at-home mom. We'll t- we can talk about this more. And then eventually evolved into owning my own business that's called Jen Morosco Wellness. So I do that. And then I also teach fitness classes at a local gym here in Kansas City. So it keeps me busy. Yeah, you are. You are, you are busy and you have a lot going on, but you seem to manage it really well. So I don't know if that's just like oh. perception, but you seem to <laughs> always be like, okay. <laughs> okay. We're rolling with the punches. It probably depends on, you know, what day and what moment. And I feel like a lot of times I feel so stressed about things that I just laugh. I don't know whether that's good or bad, but 
people ask me how something's going and I just like laugh because I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's just so crazy that sometimes we just have to laugh about it. Yeah. So. That's funny. I, um, I follow this girl on Instagram who also has four kids and she okay. has a company called Poppy and Dot. Her name's Tara Thuison. Okay. She's really funny, but, um, she just shared yesterday how, uh, she laughs like instead of getting angry and it's not like by choice, <laughs> like she has this weird nervous reaction to stress or anxiety where she just laughs yeah. and she was like, my, my kids can't take me seriously because they'll do something terrible. Right. And she's just like, Oh, like she just starts laughing and they're like, mom, why are you laughing about this? This is not funny. And it's just, it was oh. kind of funny. I'm like not that way at all. So it's pretty hilarious <laughs> to me that some people are like, Oh man. Oh my. That's how they cope. Yeah. No, I t- like from a young age, like I remember being in stressful situations, like maybe even someone passing away or a friend going through something sad and I would not know what to do. And I would smile or laugh. Like it's almost like a, not that it's always healthy laughter, you know, not that it's always a good thing. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm always in a good spot. It's just like the way my body deals with stress maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Or way that it comes out, you know, instead of anger. So I think Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a clue for me just in the same way that some people, it might be like being angry. Like it's Mm -hmm. a clue for me too. Sometimes that I'm like, there's a benefit in being able to laugh it off. And then there's also like, okay, if we're at that point, like we need to stop and realize what do we need to do to refocus, to get back on track, to take care of our soul. Like, yeah. which sounds funny with laughing. You wouldn't think that that's a clue for you too. You know, it's just yeah. funny how we're all made so different. Yeah. But at least you recognize it as like a red flag for yourself and it, and it could right. be helpful to point you to like, okay, this is obviously like an automatic response to something that I probably don't actually think is funny. (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's funny. So why don't you kind of talk about like what Jen Roscoe wellness is and what, what that company does and, and like, just what's it all about? Okay. So Jen Roscoe wellness, it is a space and a place and a business that is basically after pursuing women's hearts. You wouldn't know that when you see it, but I really believe that our health is connected to our hearts. It's connected to our souls. It's about holistic wellness. And when I say holistic wellness, I'm not talking like natural, you know, medications and oils and all that, which is all big, like all that's a piece of holistic, but I'm talking like holistic. And I'm, and when I mean mind, body, soul. Mm -hmm. So I started the business because of my own passion to see women really free from the bondage of this world, whether that's the bondage of being basically a slave to nutrition and exercise, or it's the bondage of finding our comfort and our satisfaction in food and the way that that affects us. I think that we, there's just a huge pendulum swing and there's so many voices in our culture screaming at women, different messages. So we see messages all the way from, you have to be thin to be happy. You have to be super fit in order to be a good mom. You have to be whatever it is to throw all that aside. It's your one life. YOLO, do what you need to do. Eat the cake, drink the wine, you know, Mm -hmm. do. And I think that like, Both of those are true. Like both of those are important. We need to be able to live free and we need to be able to enjoy the things. Like I think God made us creatures to celebrate. We see that throughout scripture. You know, we see feasts and we see celebrations and we see them enjoying 
the things that God's given, you know, the, the people in the Bible. And then we also see the fact that we need to be disciplined. And we know that when we're disciplined, we're more effective for the kingdom. We know that when we're sleeping and eating and moving our bodies, I personally can attest I'm, I'm a better mom. I put, I put, um, I put that in air quotes that you guys can't see. I hate to say better mom, but yeah, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Like, I know I'm more on for my kids. I'm more present. I'm more um, aware of what they need. I'm more aware of what my husband needs. I'm more effective and sharp, more, I guess I should say sharper in my business when I'm doing those things well. So I, it, it honestly came out of a spot of like, I've had enough, like I've had enough of what I'm being told. And I think we need more women speaking a different word. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I'll say that I've done a few of your, um, a few of your groups. So how, how you work, how you actually live that out in, in your business and how women engage with you is through these groups that you host every month. Right. Right. So you have like start and thrive and you have one-on-one coaching too, but the groups are kind of where you really bring people into that whole, um, yeah, yeah. Just that whole new way of thinking. And because, because you're not alone, you have, you know, other women going through the exact same thing that you are. I, definitely am I swing towards the side side of the pendulum that's like if I'm stressed out or if I feel like I need to self-indulge because I'm you know because my day's been hard or because I'm tired or you know whatever then I'm like I deserve a treat I deserve like um you know to eat this cookie or four cookies and I and it's like but I know that what you're saying is true that it's actually I'm not just like indulging in a cookie because the cookie is not the thing that is immoral. It's the fact that I'm going to the cookie for hope (laughs) or like for peace. And it's the fact that I'm treating it like it has the power to make me okay. And then of course it doesn't. And so then I'm like, well, that wasn't enough. I want another one. Or, you know, and not only is there a physical thing happening where I'm becoming addicted to sugar, which I totally tend towards being a sugar addict. If I let myself like have more and more then I just only want more. Um, and I know that we're not like going to only talk about food here, but that, I mean, that was, has been a very real, you know, eye opening thing for me to see, like when I have that trigger in my brain, go like, you need a cookie, you need chocolate, you need something. It's like, no, what I really need is the peace of God in my heart. And I shouldn't be like, I shouldn't be going to desserts out of the place of like emotional, um, like lack, you know, like that's not a good place to be choosing how to like enjoy good things. Right. Exactly. Yes. Amen. You worded it perfectly. That shouldn't be why we choose to enjoy good things. Exactly. Yeah. Because, and I, you know, what's interesting is I, my business is secular. And so, I mean, secular in the sense that it isn't, um, we don't explicitly talk about Jesus in that space. Um, but I see Christians and non-Christians alike, knowing that food doesn't do the trick, you know? So all the women that I talk to and work with don't feel satisfied by food and they don't feel satisfied when they've reached their peak health goals either. You know, all of it points to us needing something more. Yes. And, um, you know, and I, in my, in my specific business, it is to help women find their healthy here and now, but in my relationships that I have with believers in my business, then we're able to take that to the next level and talk mm-hmm. about what does it actually look like to go to Jesus in those moments, you know, and that's a hard mm-hmm. part because that is just countercultural too. Yeah. 
Yeah, to say that it's actually about more than just like losing weight is really scary for people. Right. That's kind of easy. You know, I mean, it's not easy to lose the weight, but it is easy to use that as like your sole motivation for changing your habits because it's like all external and it doesn't have to necessarily, you feel like you don't have to go that deep to like make some changes. But I think ultimately we are, like you said, mind, body, soul. Yeah. Yeah. One thing. Our hope, I mean, our hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick, you know, and every time we put our hope in, whether it's the cookie or the perfect body, like we're always disappointed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, we're always disappointed and we need each other. Like that's the beauty of it is we need each other to point us back to even, even these good things aren't enough, but we still need to pursue these good things, man. That's a tricky space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a it is space to walk of like, let's, let's point each other to Jesus. Let's remind each other how important this is and let's not like take it to extremes either way. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you talked about when, what kind of prompted you to start this business? You said, you know, you just had enough and talk to talk about that. Like what, where, where were you at before starting Jen Roscoe wellness, both like with your family life, your kids, like what your life looked like and then emotionally and everything that you were kind of, kind of facing. Yeah. So I had had a journey of struggling with what I would now call disordered eating. So that's different than an eating disorder in the sense of I never needed to, well, I should say never needed. I probably did need to get outside help at times, at least counseling, probably maybe not medical help. My That was what was so tricky is I think that you can be at a healthy weight and not be healthy in your mind and your soul. And that was one of the things that stuck out to me the most is the number on the scale was never scary. Mm. Um, the number on the scale was what I looked to, to tell me I was okay. And it was never a number that would alarm a doctor or a friend or anyone, but I was in bondage. So how do you seek help at that point? You know, I, I didn't know I needed help. I'll say until I, I actually got pregnant with our first child. And then I realized this has become an obsession. Like I'm, obsessed with staying at this certain weight. So it wasn't even about losing weight. It was more like staying at this perfect number that I Mm -hmm. had decided was my best. And that's like such a caution for me with women now. And I do, I do have clients that weigh themselves or we do weigh ourselves because I think it can be a good gauge, but that's a whole nother tangent, but you just have to be so careful. Mm -hmm. You have to be careful and you have to decide what's best for you when it comes to that for each individual woman. So for me, it was this number and this obsession. And then I got pregnant with my first child and lost control. Yeah. You, you know, that's the the beauty. I say, uh, having babies and losing control of my weight was God's grace to me because I couldn't, you can't grow a baby in your tummy and stay stay at your perfect number. Right. Right. Nope. Not possible. It's not possible. And then, you know, Everything that comes with the process of after having, you know, it wasn't even as hard for me during the pregnancy as it was after and going through that whole process. And then I kind of found myself getting back into old habits and I was just like, this is, you know, this started at a young age. I'm talking like middle school, high school. I'm I'm on every diet, you know, you're in seventh grade and you're on the Atkins diet. Yeah. Been there. (laughs) 90 pounds, right? You know, like this doesn't even makes sense. But it just, the culture was speaking really loud to me and continued. And I finally, 
had got pregnant with my second and I was like, it is not, it can't be like this anymore. I can't just in my relationship with the Lord. I'm like, I am not going to go through this pregnancy, afraid to go to the doctor, not wanting to eat the whole day before I go to my weigh in appointment with the doctor. I am pregnant. Like, yeah. I want to see that number go up. And I I think pregnancy is what helped me realize that this was a problem, even though it was a problem in my mind and my soul, even if it wasn't a health problem. And so I just started seeing and just kind of pressing into why this has become a problem and what feeds this problem. And I just realized that there wasn't any space for me to go that was telling me what I needed to hear. I felt like I could go to fitness, the fitness and health world. And all I was hearing was, you know, nothing tastes better than being skinny, basically. Yeah. You know, that in different forms. There's nothing better than being strong or whatever. And then I would go to the Christian world and it, it don't, the conversation doesn't even really exist. Right. There aren't many spaces where women especially are talking about what it looks like to care for our mind and our body and our soul holistically. And a lot of, there's a lot of excuses there in that world too, of what is, um, yeah, we excuse, I don't know. I don't know. I almost like we shouldn't even be having this conversation because we shouldn't care about our bodies. Your body doesn't matter. Like forget about your body and then making it all about your soul and your spirit, forgetting that like they are one and God actually does say our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and we need to, yeah, take care of it. Yes. Amen. And myself, other women and myself included live with a lot of shame in this area. And when we don't talk about it and we don't acknowledge it, I think that shame just festers. So we know that we struggle here, or we know that we, you can't deny the fact that our, we are human creatures that God made and created bodies for us to live in. And we don't talk about it and we don't acknowledge it. We don't know what to do with it. And we feel the pressure of the culture. And so we stuff it sometimes, I think. Mm-hmm. And we don't know. We, you know, we hear the verse. I, I was thinking about this. I was talking to some women about this recently, but we think about, you know, Psalm 139. And basically, anytime we're struggling with body image issues, I feel like sometimes in Christian culture, that's given to us as like a stamp. Like, but remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Stamp. And I, I just have to look at the stamp and like, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, okay, that's true. But how do we help women believe that? Yeah. It can't be stamped on us, you know, because it's a deeper issue. It's a deeper issue of our identity. So how do we look as women and believe that we're children of God? And when our identity is founded and rooted in the person of Jesus, when we believe in our gut, in our soul, in our mind, that we're a child of God, then after like years of believing that and years of walking and communion with Jesus, we're able to slowly start believe, believing that we were made in His image and that we were made perfect and that our body was fearfully and wonderfully made. But it's a journey. You know, it's not a stamp. Mm-hmm. And I think we need more spaces as women where we can talk about that and where we can deal with our shame in this area, where we can deal with our struggle and where we can... Um, focus on our identity and really root our identity in the King. And we root our identity in the King. Now we can really start to believe how that practically plays out in our daily life as women. Yeah. 
Exactly. I love all of that. That's really awesome. Do you see women in your groups like regularly, um, you know, I, I don't know, like uh, maybe not have a come to Jesus moment, but do you see them regularly like come up against the stuff that you're talking about in the sense that it's like, wow, this is really hard because it is like there is an emotional and internal like soul level struggle here going on. It's not just about this habit of what I go to and grab out of the fridge when I'm stressed out or, or tired or sad. Like, do you see women like encountering those types of things that you're talking about? Yes, I do. I see them encountering it in the group space, whether they're reaching out to me separately, whether they're just being honest about it there, no matter what their walk of faith is, whether they have faith or don't have faith over and over and over, I see women acknowledging what you just said, that this is more about my mind, body, and my soul because they keep coming back because it's a struggle. It's hard. You know, it's not usually something that we spend 28 days working on. And then we feel like we have a healthy relationship with food. We have a healthy relationship with exercise and we're good. You know, Yeah, you found the perfect business. We're never good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so true. Like there's always need help. Yes. We always need help. And there is no shame at all. And saying, I need to come back this month, Jen. Like I have women all the time that, and sometimes we'll reach out feeling like discouraged. Like, I'm sorry that I have to come back. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like you have, it's a hard world out there and you don't have a lot of voices supporting you and encouraging you in a healthy way in mind, body, and soul. And so of course we need to come back. And I tell women all the time there are I have months where I do it too, whether I'm posting in the group or not, or my husband and I are following the plan and journaling and working things out on our own, even if I'm not doing it in the group, because it's, we just, I think our souls need it. Our minds need it. We thrive in structure. We we, we need routine. It's Um, almost like, it's almost like changing the way that you think about this, like not as, Oh, I need to go and get fixed this, this month. I really need to go and, you know, I, I'm off track, so I'm going to go get my mind right. Like, but instead looking at it as more of adding more of the like good, true voices that are speaking the truth. Like you said, a better word to women around fitness and food and health than what we have in the culture, because the culture doesn't stop talking to us. Like, and Instagram doesn't stop showing us you know, thin spo and like, here's what you should look like, or look at how this girl looks. And, oh, well, I'm not like that. Like, oh, I'm not ready for the summer. I'm not ready for my bikini. I'm not ready for the pool. Like, God forbid, you know, all these things. But I, yeah, I've never thought about it that way. Like it is not really just going to get, you know, cured. It is actually like more of building a community and and pouring truth into your mind and soul that is going to change your every day. Yes. Yes, exactly. That that part's huge. And that that reminds me if I can go off on a little tangent about about that. I think one of the things that I have been learning and I try to encourage clients in this and it's something I need to make a bigger part of the trainings as the groups wrap up is we have to learn how to protect our minds from what parts of the culture aren't good for us. And so I'll often tell women too like you need to guard your feed. Mhm. So 
just because someone gives great health tips doesn't necessarily mean you need to follow them if it's not good for your mind. If they give great health tips and it's good for your mind and it doesn't bother you to see their size zero body in a bikini every Mm -hmm. day, then (laughs) fine, like go ahead and follow it. But, but really most of us, that doesn't help us to see of us that does two things. It either makes us judge them and decide in our mind why we're better or it makes us feel like we're not good enough. And I, so we just have to be on guard that we're not doing those two things and be careful that we're protecting our mind. Cause it doesn't benefit us either to, to scroll through the feed and be like, Oh, of course she's showing her abs. Right. Again. No, yeah. like that doesn't, it isn't building up women. It isn't like for the better of women for us to judge and do that thing in our mind. And it doesn't help us either to, to scroll and, and see bodies that look like that. So for me in my own journey, I'm at a point now where I feel like I can have other health and fitness professionals who don't go about the business the same way I do. They have their own method and their own systems, but I can still follow them without it being a downward spiral for me. But I couldn't have done that eight, 10 years ago. I needed, I was in a different spot and I, would have felt like I wasn't good enough or I had something to prove. And and there might be a time where I have to go back to not following some of those women. Right. Yeah. So. Just like keeping, keeping your guard up about what you're allowing to come into that space of your mind and heart. And yeah, yeah. I've uh, recently, I, I would love to like actually do an actual episode on unfollowing people. Um, because I think that everybody needs to do more of it, including me, but I like recently heard, um, let's see, it was Graham Cochran. He's this business like consultant entrepreneur guy. And he has these videos that talk about, um, how I forgot. I'm going to mess it up. What, what does he say? It's like, um, we are basically, he says we're on information overload and we need to be a little more ignorant of what everybody else is doing and, and how, and not like for the sake of just being ignorant, but because when you are just filling your mind with what everyone else is doing and you're so plugged mm-hmm. in and clued into what everybody in their business or in their life or in their fitness and what their goals and how they're accomplishing them. Like what, how are you even, how does that affect you and getting your stuff done? You know, it's just, it's been, uh, I don't know. When I heard him talk about it, I was like, man, there are definitely people that when they come through my feed only make me feel less than and only make me either as a mom or a business person or whatever, just make me feel that comparison or that competition that isn't a healthy competition. It's like, Oh, well, they're doing that. I better be, I should be doing that, you know? And that is just, it's like, it's not helpful. And life is so much better when you just like stay in your own lane and don't worry about what everybody else is doing so much. Right. Oh my goodness. Yes, I agree. Um, so before you started your business, what were, what was your plan for like work and motherhood? You were staying at home. I know Mm -hmm. previously you were a teacher. Um, were you, what did you teach? And then when did you stop and how did that, what did that look like for you? Yeah, I was a special ed teacher and I knew that when I had kids, I probably, I don't know, I had gotten my master's in it. I've always felt ambitious and always wanted to have a career and be a stay at home mom, but I never knew how those would work together. Staying home with the kids was a value for me. I'm not exactly even sure why. I just knew that I wanted to be there for those little years if possible. And so Matt and I had decided early on that 
we were going to make it work, even if we were going to live off one income Yeah. for whatever that meant for us. And there was a lot of years that it meant beans and a really small house. And, you know, it, it meant a lot of sacrifices. He worked a couple jobs, um, still got time with the family, but we made some sacrifices to make that work. I don't think that's right for every family, but that was what we decided to do at that time. And I think that I, I needed, I didn't know how to wrestle with that. That's a gray area. I actually had a friend say just last night, and it was really beautiful that in, especially in the Christian world, we want black and white. And when it comes to work and women, it's gray. And we need a lot of shepherding and a lot of seeking Jesus in the gray because it can look really different for a lot of different families. And so, and it can still be really honoring to Jesus. (laughs) Right. Right. Which is like what this whole, what's this whole podcast is about because it is such a hard thing to like, there isn't, you know, only one right answer for every family. And, and we, as not just women, but as humans want someone to just tell us, like, give me the step, the two step process, give me the, you know, the right and the wrong and the, what, what should I do here? What's best? And, and that isn't, yeah. Like you said, shepherding, that's a good word. Yeah, we need that. And we need, and which is part of why I told you from the beginning, I'm obsessed with the fact that you're doing this podcast <laughs> because it is a way that women can be shepherded, shepherded and discipled in this area. Like it's another voice, you know, it's a voice speaking to them truth right. here. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, sure. Um, so and you, then you I thought say, you would stay home and, um, yeah, I thought I would stay home. I thought I would stay home and I would um, just be a really great cook and really kill the laundry (laughs) and all these things. I was going to be so good at them. And I suck at all of that. (laughs) Let me just tell you. Like, I mean, food, like part of what I do is cooking is like figuring out healthy recipes and stuff. But when it comes to like putting a great creative dinner on the table every night Mm-hmm. and having a perfect laundry. It's just not my jam. Like some women, like I have a, my mother-in-law, she passed away eight years ago, but she was, if you were going to stereotype like the perfect stay at home mom that we would stereotype, that's her. Like the way God made her, she thrives mm-hmm. with the task in the home. Yeah. She's an introvert. She's great at laundry. She's detailed. You know, mm-hmm. she likes to iron. I'm wow. like, I can't even <laughs> around that. Ironing yeah. is the biggest waste of time in the world. Yeah. And I love downy wrinkle spray, except that it's toxic. So I'm like, oh, I'm just in like such a limit <laughs> right there, you know? Yeah. Just the way God made me. And so I was, I just felt my soul dying. Like I was a, was a year and a half in and I didn't know I loved being home with my son then, but I didn't know how to use my gifts. And I knew God wired me different. And I just kept trying to find it in, in the home and new ways to make things work in the home. And then finally, my husband and I had some good talks and I, I just, I think I felt like the freedom of Jesus. I think as I sought the Lord and Matt spoke good words to me, I realized I'm actually free to use my gifts outside of the home and we can pray about how that looks. I don't have to just be the really, really good laundry woman. Yeah. I'm not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we, I actually started teaching group fitness classes then and I started like finding my breath again. And I would, and everyone, as soon as people look at our life, Haley, I don't know if you feel this way, but to this day, we have a busy, stressful life as you do. And most women and people look at it. And the first thing they want to take off our plates is my jobs. Mm, yeah. 
That's interesting that you say that. Isn't it? And every time I'm like, this is an open hand thing between me and the Lord. Yes. But you don't like, you can't just pull that off our plate to think that's going to make our life easier because it's actually going to really increase my stress and anxiety because God made me to do this. Hmm, yeah. And it's an outlet for me that makes me closer to the Lord. And, and I would say makes me a better mom going back to that phrase. Like I, when I get that creative fix, so to speak, of using my body and my mind in the way God wired me to do it, I feel more on and more present yeah. that night with my children. Yeah, exactly. I'm totally, totally the same way. And it is really hard because, yeah, you, I mean, and for sure, mom guilt can creep in and make you feel, especially when you're not doing everything like as good as someone else, because there are lots of moms doing way better of a job at meal planning than me and way better of a job at laundry. And I'm shrinking my clothes over here on a regular basis because I just like, I don't separate my colors. I'm just like, whatever. I just throw it all in and press on. I'm like, it, it, like, I don't have time for that. And, um, and yeah, I mean, and, and I, I even sometimes will think like, oh, I should be doing less or I shouldn't be doing this or it's me. I need to take this away. Like I'm being selfish, but and of course, like like you said, it does need to be an open-handed issue between you and God. And, and really, if there is something prayerfully that he lays on your heart to lay down, then that is an issue of obedience. But a lot of the times it is just like, yeah, we were made to be this way and it's okay that that means it's going to be a busier life. It's okay that that means there will be less free time for fill in the blank, whatever other people do with free time. I don't know, but I mean... Right. Um, and that's okay. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know another life. And, you know, yeah. maybe someday I'll look back and be like, oh, you were, you were silly for doing so much. You shouldn't have done so much, but gosh, I kind of hope not. Cause I kind of want to just like, I, have you heard that, um, quote, like, I want to, um, like show up to heaven, like empty handed and just like completely drained, like of all of my resources, like I left nothing, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of, I don't know, I'm not sure if that's like, because I tend towards being a workaholic and I just want to like justify that. I hope that's not the reason, but I, I really identify with what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It goes back to what you said about like reiterating the open hand piece, you know, the constant conversation between us and the Lord and our husband about that. But I love that quote too, because that feels exciting to me. That feels like a part of our role in the kingdom, you know, like, um, in a healthy way, in a way that doesn't neglect our family in a way that our family still gets our first fruit, but that we are grinding out what what the Lord's asked us to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for sure there are seasons where like he does call you to lay things down and do less and, you know, whatever that may look like at different points for each of Mm -hmm. us. But, um, but yeah, I yeah, I I think that that is a tendency in culture and even in especially Christian culture like that right. we say if if the family is busy or if the mom appears to be breaking down it's like well why aren't why are you doing so much you should be doing less. And yes. Yes. and that might be the very thing that would actually just take life away from the mom, you know, and some in yes. some cases like you said like it wouldn't necessarily be the the right answer just because you're doing less. Um Right. And I find for me, a lot of times in those spaces, it's because I'm not really being filled 
by God more so. It's like I am when I am truly like in communion with him and being filled, my capacity is way higher. <laughs> you know, I've, I'm a very high capacity person. Like an, I can handle a lot and that's also my downfall. But um, when I get to that place of feeling empty, it's not so much like, well, do less, do less. It's like actually do more to like come before him, you know? Right. Yes. Yes. Amen. Which that's a big part of what I've been learning is when you're insert, well, I shouldn't even say survival mode, but when you're busy, which we're all busy, you know, that quote, that's like, you have to, fo- you have make sure you do, don't always do what's urgent, but also what's most important mm-hmm. that is resonated in my mind so much is not always doing the urgent, but getting to the important. And that's the soul piece, you know, the, the soul piece, if we don't view that as first and foremost, most important, then we're constantly putting out fires. We're constantly living in the urgency because the message is always in your inbox. Yeah. You know, they just, the text is always there. The task is always there. And, and then I think that's also applicable to business. I so constantly live in survival mode that I don't zoom out and get to the, the important of what we're looking at or what we're pushing towards or what our vision is. So it's just attention. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is. That's, that's a hard thing for me too. What has been the hardest part for you in running this business and raising four kids? And then if you could talk to maybe a little bit about, um, you know, what your life looks like now with Matt's job and kind of what he does and your role in that. I mean, just, I don't know, wherever you want to start there. Yeah. Oh man. The hardest part, I think, the hardest part is probably the fact that I will have a hard time asking for help or figuring out what we need to make this work. So sometimes I think I can run a business from 7 to 10 p.m. and during nap time. And that's just not true or applicable and that's not healthy for my marriage. And so it's not sustainable, you know. We can do it for a season. We can do it for a few nights a week. But what's hard is kind of the way my business is set up. That's a that's a window of work time. And so something I'm that's been a challenge and that I'm trying to even be more strategic about now and coming into the summer and coming into the fall is actually just saying, I work these days. These are the days I work and these are the hours that I work. And I can't use that space for anything else. I need to use it for work so that I can give my evenings to my husband right. once kids go to bed. Right. It's been hard. And I get upset when he does that to me, you know, when it's like the kids go to bed and it's like he's working again, you know, when that's the every night thing. And it's so important to connect. And I think we're kind of getting, I think what's hard with all these moms that are working moms who are also stay-at-home moms, I think there's a big trend of that in our culture, I wonder how it's affecting a lot of our marriages long-term if we're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel that? I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, it is almost so ingrained in our lifestyle that I don't notice it, but I do, I do recognize like what you're saying is true that it can't be every night or else, right, like you don't ever connect. And then you add in not just like you working every night, but then the two nights a week that you might have other things going on. Like, you know, we have a small group that we do Wednesday nights. And then, right. you know, like tonight's 
Joey's going to dinner with a friend and on Thursday night I'm having, I'm hosting, you know, a noonday collection party. And then on Saturday, you know, it's like, so then when do you connect? Because the two, the two free nights a week that I'll have, I'm like, oh my gosh, I finally get to work. I'm going to work until 1130. And, and yeah, that's, that's really hard. So I think the challenge there is like, almost for me, one of like not being greedy with my money, like being willing to invest in my business enough to pay for a babysitter so that I can still have my life in the evenings and still have, you know, just balance in some way. Cause that it really does. It is restorative to take a night off when you are replacing, you know, your, your schedule in the daytime with some hours. And, and I have ways that I can do that. Like there's some homeschool girls actually on our cul-de-sac that, um, are oh, available great. during the day. And so that's been awesome that I can kind of rely on them in like pinch situations. But yeah, I think, yeah, yeah I mean, I only have the, like those two days a, a week, Tuesday, Thursday, when my girls are at preschool for four or five hours and that's it. And then, you know, like really? you said, evenings. So it is, it is kind of a juggling act and, um, yeah, I definitely feel that too. And, and I think I, I haven't figured out exactly. I'm not like at, you know, the perfect balance of everything, right. but, and, and also because like our businesses, I don't know if yours is this way, but mine just is very like, it fluctuates in terms of how busy right. I am. So totally. I don't need the same thing every week. Like some weeks I'm yeah. just really like, okay, I have a big project due. Or I have a big website to launch. Like this week I need yeah. every extra minute I can get. But then other weeks I'm like, wow, yeah. I, I feel so caught up. This is great. Yes, yes, I totally agree. You know, one thing that's helped Matt and I with that, and we are not pros at this. This was something we started in October. We had tried to start it in seasons past, but is on Sunday nights, we have like a business meeting, him and I, not businesses in Jen Roscoe Wellness, but like Roscoe Household Family Business Meeting. Uh And we like, I usually know by that point, I have a general idea of what my week look like looks like from a work standpoint, and hopefully he does too. And we kind of map out what nights are what, and that's really helped us. I mean, it's everything from like, we have trade-off businesses too. You know, like I work a lot of nights and weekends. I say trade-off. I tra- trade-off in the sense that like we need each other to yeah, work both right. jobs. I come home, you know, he takes the kids. I go to work, vice versa. And I think it's great for our kids because they get a lot of time with both of us, but it's hard on our schedules. And so, and can be hard on our marriage if we're not intentional. So that was advice that we had got that's been so huge. So we, we can commit to, I know I have a big deadline Tuesday, but Tuesday night is our night. Like I'm going to turn, like we'll take 30 minutes as soon as kids go, go down, which this helps us too. And we'll just like kind of finish up for the day, whatever little messages or whatever we need to send. And yeah. then from eight to 10, we're just going to hang out together. It's yeah. just going to be our time. Yeah. That's awesome. That's huge. Yeah. Huge, huge. Do you, how do you guys like connect best? Do you, is it like shared activities? Like, do you watch shows or do you just chat? Like, I mean, just practically, I know everybody's different, but. Oh, that's a good question. I think if I'm honest, we actually connect best when we move together, like when we do stuff together. So we actually made a change recently where we've talked about instead of going out to dinner when we have a sitter, which is fun. Like that's always the default, right? Like we're always tired and it's hard to think about being creative. We don't want to spend a lot of money. So we have a sitter and it's like, let's just go eat. We go to the same place every time, you know, like Mm -hmm. we just kind of our, our routine, And it's good time across the table from each other, but him and I, ever since we first 
started dating, we've connected best. Like when we run together or play tennis or we move our bodies, like just something kinesthetic. Yeah. We just have such good conversation either after, like we play tennis after we walk and it just, I just feel like it clears both of our minds and we both, sometimes when we just go to dinner, I feel like the fatigue and the weight of everything, it just like hits you and you're fine with your safe person and you're just so tired. It's hard to connect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you or you know? just sit there and cry. <laughs> no. yeah. And you're like, I'm so dull. I'm yeah. so sorry. This is how I was when we dated. You never would have married me. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. That's no. a, that's a good idea. I've never really thought about what that would look like for us, but and I'm really terrible at tennis, so I have to find a different right. sport. Okay. But yeah. I know. I think it's like yeah, it doesn't have to be tennis for everybody, but especially as the weather gets nice, mm-hmm. I. I would love to do a challenge. I think I will. I think this is like solidifying it for me that I'm going to do a challenge for couples to, to change how they do date nights just for a season and see if it makes a difference and how they connect. And especially because of the way men are wired. I think that's something yeah. the Lord's taught me. Yeah. Like think how guys bond. Right. They bond by like playing sports and hitting each other on the butt. Yep. <laughs> you know, like that's thing and you're like, or whatever it is, whatever their thing is. Maybe it's like playing a certain kind of game, like a card game or like they're poker people and they play poker together. Like, I think men bond side by side and women bond across the table. And so what does it look like for us to do both of those in our marriage? Yeah. Those that, are, makes- that would be fun. Yeah. I, I would be down for that. Okay. You're in. Joey, on it. the other hand, would be like, wait, I have to get up and, no, Jen Morosco's going to make me work out? No. <laughs> I know. There's a lot of men around the world that don't like me, I don't think, because I make their wives do all these things, you know? Yeah. Well, and then I'm like, okay, we are having spaghetti squash for dinner. And he's like, oh, goody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't tell you the number of times I'll see a guy in person whose wife I've worked with, and they're like, almost mad at me. I've lost 10 pounds because of you. Yes. Yes. That's so funny. The way my wife's feeding me. That's hilarious. Um, no, he's actually pretty supportive when I do those things. Minus he always like, this is actually how he deals with that, which maybe there's other husbands out there like this. But if, if I'm making like really, you know, like lower carb or lower fat dinners Uh or something where it's like lots of veggies and like some chicken or something, He's like, I'm not full. So he just goes after dinner or with his dinner and has like two pieces of toast, like with his, yeah. like just two pieces of bread. He just adds basically whatever we're eating. He adds bread and then he's yeah. like, okay, now I'm good. So now I'm okay. Which That's is so like, funny. actually, I don't mind because then no. I can have the dinner I want and you know, and he's supporting me by eating the same thing and he likes yeah. it, but yeah. I, the bread thing is not really my biggest temptation. Like, so it doesn't bother me. Like I can be totally fine with him sitting there eating toast and I'm not like, Oh my gosh, I wish I could have toast, you know? Right. Right. Now on the other hand, if he had like a bowl of ice cream, then that would be a problem. So, (laughs) but he doesn't really care about sugar. Um, (laughs) don't you, isn't that that, like baffle you? He doesn't really care about sugar. I'm not really. What? I, I can't imagine not caring about sugar. Like I love sugar. Yeah. Try, you know, I understand the, obviously the value in not consuming it all the time, but I just don't get it. Like how did God wire some people where they don't love sugar? I know. Yeah. He's a, he's a salty guy. And then Jules, our youngest is, is totally the same way. Like she will choose, you know, a salty snack, like Cheez-Its or goldfish or pretzels or something over, you know, sugary chocolate. Isla's just like me though. She's a, she's a sugar addict for sure. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, that's pretty funny. I always think that would be the easier vice, which maybe that's not fair. But there's so many good, healthy, salty snacks. Yeah, I know. And there's not a lot of good snacks that, like, you have to totally retrain your taste Yeah, buds. and you have to just be like, oh, I just love dark chocolate. Just two bites yes. is enough for me. That's yeah. all. Yeah. That is my, I've probably told you this before, but every time I'm, like, drinking my tea at night to this day, Matt laughs at me because we'll sit on the couch and I'm like, Oh, I just love my tea. I just, this is so good. And I say it like obsessively a million times and he's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, cause it takes a lot of work for me to really believe this in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> you actually have to lie out loud until your brain yes. just believes it. Oh, that is hilarious. Yes, exactly. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about, um, yeah, your husband's role. You mentioned it, but like what, what is Matt's job and can you kind of talk about that? And then what is his role in, or what has his role been like in the shifting like seasons of, you know, you as a mom and then you as a business owner and you as, you know, a fitness instructor and all these different roles that you're playing, like how, how has that kind of, um, shifted with the seasons and what does it look like today? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question because that has been a really challenging and sanctifying process that we're still, that we're still figuring out. So Matt, right around the time that we had our oldest, who's almost eight, he started working at the church and in time became a pastor. And I think there is Man, it's hard. There is an emotional and spiritual weight that pastors carry. Yeah. It's really heavy. And it's hard to explain. So they can work the same hours as other people, even myself included. And there's still just a weight. I mean, it's it's a biblical weight. Like it's a burden from the Lord that they're responsible to stand before the Lord on how they shepherd and care for the flock. And you can feel that. You can really feel that when you're married to someone who feels that burden and really takes that seriously and is really careful and intentional about that. And so that's hard because it's hard to figure out how it's not that his job is more important than mine, you know, but to figure out how his job's a calling and, and not that mine isn't, but it's a different calling biblically that comes with a lot of biblical responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, he has been a great teammate in that for me to figure out how, and that's where the childcare piece has been huge for us is figuring out how does he work a role like that and me still be free without it being too much of a sacrifice for our kids. Right. How can, cause it's already a sacrifice for them, for him to be a pastor. And then on top of that, we added, um, onto our plates two and a half years ago, he became the chaplain for the Royals which was awesome because he was having the opportunity to share the gospel with um, men that might not have heard it other ways or in spaces where it's not normally claimed. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. And we, I was able to do that alongside him and leading a Bible study for the wives. And that was awesome and beautiful. And he's transitioning out of that role as he transitions from being a full-time vocational pastor to working for the Royals full-time. And so as I guess the point is he, we're still figuring all that out as he transitions. And as I transition, how we just continue to be a team. I think that's what I have to remember. And we have to say out loud to each other a lot is we're on the same team and how we support each other and what God has asked each of us to do. And men- and just reiterating what I said before, without 
our kids having to sacrifice. So how do we keep our family first? How is our home team our main team without, and how do we still pursue these things that God's asked us to do? And I don't really have an answer other than it is a constant process that we're seeking the Lord together. We're talking, we're talking to counselors and mentors, and we're letting friends speak into our life, which is important. Yeah. I love that you said our home team is the main team. That's a really good takeaway because we can feel as business owners that like, I think it's very easy to get to a place mentally where you think about your business as your, as this, like your team. And then you've got your husband and his job is his team. And you're like, well, my team needs this. Well, I, well, okay, well I need that. And you know, well, I feel this way because my day was hard and well, yeah, my day was hard too. Don't you think my, you know, it's like, it can be really easy to just like devolve into a comparison of like, who's more tired or who has less patience for the kids or whatever, because we're both working, but it looks very different. And, you know, and Joey jokes with me, he's like, I'll be like, well, you had a break today. He's like, do you think I'm going to the office and like sitting back and kicking my feet up and drinking coffee and reading books all day? I'm like, well, I know, but you had a break from the kids. He's like, yeah, but I was like, I was on in another way. That's just equally as exhausting and draining. And, you know, I wasn't around kids, but like, I think that I can feel like, you know, just compare, I can get into that comparison and, um, and it's not helpful. And ultimately, like you said, like we are on the same team and something that was really helpful for me actually was like the, the gender sermon at Redeemer recently at the church we go to, because it really allowed me to feel freed to like live more into what God made me to do as Yes. As the bringer of life, like in our family, like as the woman, like it, it is, I really identified with that. Like it is my job to bring life and like kind of warmth and like joy into our family and our household. And it's Joey's role to create an environment for us to flourish and, and to provide us with an environment to flourish in. And it just, that for both of us, it was like, wow, that is really freeing. It's not telling me I only can do this one thing. It's actually freeing me to live more fully in what God made me to do and, and not be always kind of grasping for the other person's role. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And that, I think there's something that's that to be said about, I think some of that even comes from the curse. Like, I don't know the theology on this and how accurate I am here, but from the beginning, we see that our our tendency will be to rule over the man, to control him, to manipulate. You know, we see that that comes from the beginning. And and I think it's silly not to think that that doesn't even play out in our roles within the home. And I'm talking big R roles, like yeah. what you just said, like the bear of life and the environment to flourish, not right. the little R roles, like staying home, working a job, that yeah. stuff. Cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Cleaning the kitchen, taking out the trash, not that, but like in the big stuff, like, amen to what you just said. And can we constantly remember that? And, and how do we keep that in front of us? That when we're, when we recognize that we're both image bearers, bearing the image of Christ in different spheres, then we can cheer each other on in that. And it doesn't become the competition game. And when we can see our role as bringing life and we're first asking ourselves, how do I bring life to my family this week? What does that look like practically? Like literally writing out maybe what do I need to do to bring life to my family this week from, you know, each one of my children to my husband, to my business, and then not focusing so much on what Matt needs to do, you know, yeah. cause that's 
as I'm usually saying, like, I'm like critiquing him and then losing focus on what God asked me to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Um, Okay. So wrapping up, like, I just want to ask a a little bit more on um, the business side. What would be your best advice since you kind of came from a place of, okay, this is not my gifting. I am not loving just my life in the home. Like I want to, you know, use my passions and gifts that God gave me to serve other women somehow. What, how would you advise or or what advice would you have for women that are thinking, I think I want to do something like what you're talking about, or I want to have another pursuit or another, you know, passion project, or whether it's a business that makes money or not, I want to have something. What, how would you advise them to like go about that? Like what, what did you do and Mm -hmm. what would be your kind of advice from the future (laughs) for them? Yeah. I like this question because I think what's so important is a lot of times when people answer questions like this, our tendency, and I know mine is too, when I first read the question is to kind of give a blanket answer. But what I've realized is I've thought about different women in my own life that I know maybe are feeling the urge to start a business or run businesses or do different things. There's not a blanket answer across the board because we're all wired so different. And so I would first say, obviously to all women to pray and to seek the Lord. And then secondly, I would say, depending on how you're wired and what your tendency is to ask some people to speak into it and kind of push back and start a conversation about this, because I have some friends who have a desire and God's laid things on their heart, but they're afraid to leap. You know, they, they're standing on the edge and they're feeling the tug of the spirit and they're afraid to leap. And I think for them, I would say, jump, you know, you just got to jump. And if you fall, you have to trust the grace of Jesus. And then to my friends who are more wired like me, I'm more likely to run after the next shiny thing. So I'm more likely to have million businesses. Yeah. (laughs) Same. We're probably wired to like there. Yep. Um, I would say, wait, Mm -hmm. trust in the steadfast grace of Jesus also to carry you and trust him. You're not missing the boat. You're not missing a call. Like just, just wait and pray and trust Jesus with it because I think we're all wired. And then there's a, a, a whole bunch of women that fall in between both of those categories, but just looking at the extremes, I think that. Um, yeah, I just, I see so, so many women start and end projects, start and end projects, start and end projects, which isn't necessarily bad, but I I can see how that could be my tendency if I'm not careful. And I think that maybe God is asking us to start projects for a season and then end them. And then maybe also we need to stop and, and learn to be steadfast, even when the project gets hard, you know? And maybe some projects we do need to let go. Like this is speaking more to the women like you and I. I know you and I have talked about that. Like mm-hmm. what what projects do we need to let go because it's not what the Lord's asked us to do anymore, which mm-hmm. is fine, Yeah, you know, but yeah. just it all goes back to communion with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, not the easy, like you said, blanket answer, but the only true, the only true place to actually find rest. Yes. And communing with him and finding rest in him and seeking his faith. And then he can guide us in starting that even it's not wrong for someone like you and I to have five businesses. You know what I mean? It's not wrong if it's what the Lord's asking us to do. Right. It's how he made us. Um, but 
maybe it is, you know, maybe we have to seek Jesus and ask where he's asking us to focus. Yeah. Um, And that's just my own conviction. So that's my advice. That's great advice. Some some women need to jump and some women need to, to seek. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a spectrum. Like you said, there are people at extremes and there's a lot of people in the middle. And if you feel like, Oh, I, I, I'm not sure where I fall on that. Then like you said, pray and get the people around you in your life to, to actually like come into that with you and your, whether that's a spouse or friends or small group or, um, family, whatever, whoever it is. Yes. Yes. Um, what is your best organization or efficiency tip for all the moms out there juggling kids, businesses? What do you like? What's something that you feel like is kind of like a life hack for you? Mm, this is a hard one for me. Cause I feel like sometimes you don't even know your systems cause you just do them. Yeah. You just kind of roll. But I think at the end of the day, it's come back to what I mentioned before is not being afraid to get the help that you need mm. and not feeling like letting the mom guilt kick in where it's like, I I have so many mom friends that work jobs and some that don't work jobs, but are afraid to ask for help because we feel like we should be able to do it all. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. So finding ways that you can give your best to your kids and to your husband and your business and your soul without, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not just a system. Like I can't say Is there something specifically that like for you has been, has contributed to that, like some actor choice yes. that you've, you've decided that has like changed the game for you in that way. Yes. Great. Great question. I, started hiring someone to clean my house twice a month. And I feel, I felt guilty and ashamed about it. Like I even think I just told like one of my closest friends like a month ago. (laughs) I'm like, so silly. Like, why am I afraid to tell people about this? But I feel shame, which is silly. Like proclaim it to the mountaintops. Like there should not be shame there. I'm not good at it. It takes me when I deep clean my house, it'll take me like 12 or 17 hours and I'll be a really angry human and I, I told Matt, I'm like, that's the first place that my business money goes, Yeah, <laughs> you know, after we pay what we need to for the business bill wise, like that's the first thing I want paid off is I would rather spend that 17 hours with my children when I'm not working. And so sometimes my work money is just going back to things like that, that allow me to be with my family. Yeah, And so it's yeah. actually a a specific tip. I'm not saying every businesswoman needs to have someone come clean their house twice a month, but I'm just saying for me, it was something I just had to give up. And I just had to say, this is, this isn't worth it. Like I need, I need help here. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to get help wherever that is for you. And maybe it's not hiring help. It might just be that you need, um, that you're not good at organization and tips and you need someone to come in and help you. And that's another one for me. Like even in hiring your help, Haley, like I, you're so good at what you do. And instead of me trying to spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out how to send an email on MailChimp where I feel like I'm going to die, like I hire you to do it and it's worth my, your time is valuable. And so yeah. you have to figure out when it's worth using, spending your money to let someone do what they do well yeah. so that you can do what you do well. Yeah. Well, I'll let you preach that all day long, but, um, but yeah, I, I'm the exact same way. I mean, I think I, 
I just feel, yeah, like shame and also pride that I should be able to do it all. And that, you know, that word should or yeah, the the should word is a shame word. Like if, if you should do it, then now if you don't, you're going to feel shame and, and realizing that like you cleaning your house or not cleaning your house is not, does not control or contribute to your identity because it's a, it's a, what you do, it's not a who you are, you know? And so Yeah, separating yeah. those two is really key, I think, in that whole discussion. And you're the second guest now in a week that I've talked to who's talked about having a house cleaner come. And the other one was Haley Unruh, and she also has four kids. And so I think it's also <laughs> a function of, like, you guys have a lot more humans to take care of, too, that, right. you know, it's like that's a that's just a full, full plate. And then you add in, like, business and whatever else. It's, I mean, right. yeah, you don't need a justification, but I think you have one. So <laughs> for sure. That's the thing. And I have boys that somehow still don't know how to pee in the toilet. (laughs) You can try every trick in the book. Mm. I'm like, I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, this is your deal. You need to teach these boys how to pee in the toilet. And so for some reason, no one can still teach them how to pee in the toilet. I'm like, what? They're seven and five. Come on guys. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I don't have that problem, but you know what? Actually, even with girls, we still struggle with that sometimes. So that's good to know. I'm like, don't look at the toilet closely. Anytime someone comes over, you know, or the wall, there might be pee on the wall. Right. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah. I wallpapered my like downstairs main bathroom on one wall and it's a wall that is adjacent to the toilet and is like, it was not cheap. It was really expensive wallpaper. And after I did it, I was like, this was a really interesting choice. Like if we ever do have a boy or like, you know, it's a, it's a bathroom. Like it's not a, and it's right next to the toilet. Like they touch it all the time. I was like, I can't believe I did this. Like I should have done a different wall (laughs) of all the walls I did, but whatever. I just was not thinking like a mom I was thinking like a decorator which I'm not so exactly well if we ever come over I will not let my boys pee in there (laughs) okay perfect (laughs) um so okay what do you do for fun I'm I'm guessing it has to do with moving your body and like running sprints at a track how'd you know burpees Uh, of course burpees are fun oh my gosh um no I actually it's it's partly true like working out I can't think of anything that I do for fun really other than it having to be with like exercising or running or Mm -hmm. moving or being active. I Mm -hmm. mean, spending time with girlfriends. Yes, that too. But I love, yeah, just something active, something active playing with my family at the park. We love to hike. We love to go just even different places around Kansas city. It's not as flat as some would think, but it's still pretty flat. Those listening that live in, you know, less fat places can laugh when I say hike, but we like to, you know, go to places and, and just move and be together in nature. And that's probably what I do most for fun. And I don't, honestly, we probably don't have enough fun that it's kind of a convicting question. Cause I'm like, this is an area where we need to grow. Um, we play with our kids a lot. They, they have fun and we have fun playing with them, but we're not with our kids. It isn't something that Matt and I do very well. Yeah. So it's something that we're both being achievers. We're like, how do we have fun Mm. other than those dates I mentioned, but like, how do we have fun with friends? How do we foster fun and friendships? And, um, I don't know. That's part of a question we're asking ourselves because that's hard in this season. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's int- yeah. The both being achiever thing, I'm, I get that too, and yeah, we can be both just so like head to you know nose to the grindstone that we're like, yeah, yeah it it is definitely a discipline, like as as much as everything else is too, to like actually make time for those relationships and then make them a prior- priority. Yeah, exactly. And then what helps you rest? I think I'm learning. Obviously, it's spending time with the Lord, and I think I'm learning how to be more free and how I do that. Of course, we need to be in the word, but I'm learning that that's more of a discipline for me that does bear fruit in my soul and restores me. But how I really connect with the Lord is the same way that I connect with my husband and the same way I connect with my kids. It's by moving my body. Like there's a theme there that that's how God made me where I have friends that, you know, they, they are learning that they connect with Jesus through painting or my friend who's a good writer, hers is journaling. And I've always thought connecting with Jesus was writing in your journal and reading your scripture, which that's good, but that isn't me. That's not how I was made. And so I've actually been kind of experimenting a little bit with learning how to like move my body in a way where I connect with Jesus. So think almost like yoga flow type things where you're like moving and praying Um, And it's new for me and I'm not even sure I can articulate it well, but I'm finding that it's the same way that when I run, a lot of times I don't like to listen to music. I like to just be with Jesus. And there's something about the clarity that comes in my mind and my soul when I'm moving. Yeah. And And it isn't about health and numbers and all that stuff. It's just about the way I was made. And I don't think that's true for how everybody connects with the Lord, but yeah, so I'm experimenting with that and to be continued. Like as as that grows and develops, we should talk about it more because I think it's a growing trend even secularly to be like to be moving your body and like having a deeper soul connection, but I think yeah. we're missing this piece. Yeah. Have you heard of um holy yoga? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, There's yes. someone I in our neighborhood that. I think that does that or has it in her home. Oh, is there? I didn't know there was anyone in Kansas City that did it. Yeah, there's um, a girl oh. from my if table told me about it, and um, she does it, and it's like in it's somewhere out here in Overland Park. But the the woman actually oh. she does it in her home, and then she also has a they do it in a, a different space too. I can't remember, but yeah, I'll have to I'll send you like the yeah. little Facebook flyer she sent me, but. Yeah, it sounded really cool. Like they read scripture and there's like a theme each time, like while you're doing yoga. So I was like, that sounds really fun. Yeah, it's really cool. I, it's really neat. I've never done it in person because of that reason. I didn't think there was one in Kansas city, but oh, cool. Let's check it out together. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Um, okay. Well, how do people connect with you for, um, like for instance, on the Jim Roscoe wellness groups, like how, how should people find you? Yeah. People want to find me. They can check my website, jenrosco.com or Facebook, Jen Rosco wellness. And the same handle is mine on Instagram too. And maybe I could just give a quick, like brief summary of what the groups are and what I do. Do yeah, you think? Yes. Okay. So yeah, for those of you listening that are interested, basically what it is, is it's a, the groups that I run are a 28 day structure eating plan where we focus on retraining our minds and our habits. So the focus is, what habits do we have and how do we reshape those that hopefully can help us have a healthier relationship with food and a healthier relationship with our body. And we often see great results like losing weight. We see scale and non-scale victories and we celebrate those like crazy. But the focus is what does it look like for me to start to learn to be healthy and to start to become more of who I am 
instead of I'm on a diet or I'm on a plan. So, and I'm really big on not selling products or anything like that. The focus is you as the woman, as the client and you finding what works for you and what's sustainable. And then us as women getting to rally around you and support you and cheer you on. That's why I love the group effort or the group aspect. And I do one-on-one and a lot of women, that's a space that they feel more comfortable and that's great. But the beauty of the group is you have all these cheerleaders and you have people on the journey with you. So that's why I the group piece is really helpful. It's encouraging. Well, thanks, Jen. Thanks so much for yeah. your time. And you guys are headed off to Arizona. So um, travel safe. And I will pray that your kids are just perfect angels the whole oh, time. Thank you. Please, please pray that all day. I will. <laughs> Three hours in a plane by myself with them will be interesting, but we have no layover. So that's a win. Oh, that is great. Yes. Is it a three so, hour flight from here to Arizona? Yes. Oh, it's wow. three hours there. I know. That's kind of a long flight. I know, especially when you're not very technology smart, hence why I hire Haley for everything. She's amazing. Little plug there. It's true. <laughs> I can't even figure out how to download videos onto their little Amazon Kindle thing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, your oldest oh, son yeah. is almost at the age where he could probably figure that out. I know. I need him to get tech savvy so he can start being like my business helper. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. It's like my 20-month-old can open my phone and turn on Netflix. I don't even know where she's going to be by the time she's 12, you know? Right. Oh, my gosh. I know. So that's true. So funny. All right. Well, thanks, Jen, and okay, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Okay. Well, I know we went long, so if you hung in there the whole time, you win the contest. I'm just kidding. There's not really a contest, but thank you for sticking in. And I hope if you did that, you found some good, solid encouragement and practical ideas of what to do with the calling that God has given you or placed in your heart. Jen encourages us by sharing that we don't have to succumb to guilt or shame or living in shadows, but can live in the light in the fullness of a busy life, quote unquote, busy and still be okay. We can hold good things in tension rather than have an idea of balance. And for me, that is a mental picture that I need to remind myself is real. And it just gives me a lot of grace. If you want to stay connected with us throughout the week and hear previews of these episodes, go follow us on Instagram at Kindled Podcast. And on there, I will share quotes from guests, other content. I'll ask polls about content for the podcast. And it's the best place to say hi. So come do that if you haven't already. I'll talk to you guys next week.